What an honor uh, to be invited back. Amen. I told my wife, I said, I must have done good. They had me back. She said, now nah, they've just given you another chance. Amen. Amen. So, but I'm honored to be here, Pastor, First Lady. So honored to be here with you guys. This great congregation. I remember a lot of faces uh, when I walked in. I just enjoyed being with y'all uh, when we were here when we were here last. That is my wife, Debbie. She's sitting right there behind Pastor. Amen. Uh, the, the overseer of of Arizona introduced us yesterday, and this is what he said. He said, I want y'all to look at George. He said him and his wife was walking in a mall, and somebody looked at him and said, well, he must have money. Amen, amen. You'll get that in a minute, amen. Because she didn't figure anybody looked like that would marry somebody look like this unless I had some scratch. Amen, amen. But it is an honor for us to be here. We are uh, flying in from, we flew in from uh, Phoenix, Arizona yesterday. We got to Atlanta about 8 o'clock. Got here about 3 o'clock this morning. And so thank God for Fords. Amen, amen. If I'd have had a Chevrolet, it would have probably took me two days. But I had that Ford and I was, I was here. If I'd have had a Dodge, you'd have had to put in a tape. Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, and I trust that you do, now that I got half the congregation mad, amen. Would you stand up with me all over this building? Amen. Now, before I, I read this scripture, I got a little story that I want to tell you. I was preaching in Honeycomb, Illinois. I preached in a revival there. The pastor booked me from a Sunday morning to a Sunday morning. And so had a host of people uh, come throughout that week. And it was a young lady that came named Andrea. That, that she come down the altar and got gloriously saved. And I'm talking about God just poured. I don't know how many we had saved that, that week. But Andrea was one that just God just really poured his spirit out on. Her grandmother came to me. She had brought her. She was about 18 years old. Uh, her grandmother came to me and said, Andrew's had a hard life. Said that she's, uh, she, she's on drugs so bad. I just thank God she got a breakthrough today. Well, I got a product table out there, and it has my cell number on everything that I, I sell on CDs and stuff. And so she connected with me. And so I started connecting with her every day. I'd, I'd text her, and I'd say, hey, you one day clean. Tomorrow, if we can hold out, we'll be two days clean. And every morning, I would make that the first text of my day, that, hey, you're another day clean, another day clean. She would go about 20-something days and fall back off the wagon. I'd say, hey, let's draw a line. Let's start again. Let's go. I got a rehab in, in, uh, in, in Jessup, Georgia, that we built while I was pastoring, I was trying to get her to come there and stay. And so I was trying to build that relationship where we could get her in a rehab and really a Christian rehab to really help her get those drugs behind her. So we kind of connected. I was in Benton, Illinois, and I had told Andrea, I said, listen, I, I want you, I want you to pick a place to eat, a steak or pizza, whatever you want for lunch. I'm going to take you and your grandmother uh, out to eat on, when I'm in Benton. That's about 40 miles away. And so she said, you would do that for me? I said, of course I would do that for you. So I, I'm making this story a little longer than what I should, but, but I'm in Benton, which is 40 miles away from Harrisburg, where she lives. And, and so on Sunday afternoon, I, I, I made every, all the arrangements. Hey, in the morning, I'll drive over. You tell me where we're going to eat. That's what we'll, we'll do. Well, that night after church, I was preaching again in Benton, Illinois. Uh, her, her aunt called me. And said, Andrea has OD'd, and we don't know if she's going to live or not. And don't know if they won't let you in right now. And, and I said, well, I'll be there in the morning. And I prayed, and I said, God, what do you want me to do? He said, you just be there when I wake her up. 
You just be there when I wake her up. And so I got up early the next morning, and I drove all the way to, over to Harrisburg, only 40 miles. I got me a chair. She was laying on her side. I walked in. The nurse looked at me and said, you that Moxley man, ain't you? I said, yes, ma'am, I guess I am, amen. And she said, well, I've heard about you. I trust you. I'm going to leave her with you. I, I'm going to go get me some breakfast. I said, whatever. And I got me a chair, and I sat right in front of her face where, where she could see me when she woke up. She was laying on her side. And I wasn't there. I wasn't there an hour. And, and, and she started stirring, and she opened her eyes and looked dead at me. When she did, she smiled. Now, I later told my wife, I feel like she probably thought she died and went to heaven and saw an angel. Amen. But my wife said that probably not what happened. Amen. Amen. But when she woke up and smiled at me, I pulled my chair up next to her bed, and I put my hand on her shoulder, and I said, Andrew, let me talk to you. I said, I told her the story of David and Goliath. And, and I told her how David was able to kill that giant. But before he started, he said, is there a reason? Is there a cause? I said, what we got to do is get the reason you, to not do drugs to be greater than the reason that you do drugs. Oh, she just a tear rolled down her eyes, and we began to, began to pray. And when I got through praying, she looked at me. She said, that story about that man named David, I've never heard anything like that in my life. And boy, it was like a ton of bricks hit me. They don't know the story now, y'all. Can somebody help me? Amen. We preachers preach like everybody knows the story, but people are being raised and not knowing, knowing the story. So the Lord really convicted me about going back and just preaching, preaching the stories, preaching and, and pulling out the nuggets of the stories. So I want to open up with this scripture this morning to back up what I'm, what I'm going to preach on. Amen. I promise you I, won't preach you, I won't keep you here no longer than a good episode of Gunsmoke. Amen. 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 If you'll look in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, listen to what Paul writes. He said, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, now listen to what he's talking about. He's talking about the scriptures. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. Everything that was written was written for us to learn from. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch, look what he says in verse 4. That we through patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope. He said everything that's written in that book was written for us to learn from. Everything that was written in that book was for us to have to wait and have comfort of knowing everything's going to be all right. The same thing that happened then can happen now. That's hope is half the ingredients of faith. And he said, I wrote everything in this book so you can learn from it and have hope. Will you join together with me and pray? And let's ask God to use me this morning. I just simply want to be a hammer in the hand of the master carpenter. Pray with me. Father, I love you. God, there's none like you. Lord, they've done such a great job bringing us into your presence or bringing you into our presence. God, I just thank you so much for being here. I ask you, God, to anoint me this morning. Anoint me to be, be a vessel in your hand, a paintbrush that a master artist would draw, would draw a picture with. God, a scaffold that a, that a physician would operate with. God, I pray, I just want to be a vessel in your hand. Speak to us, and when we leave here, let us know we've been in the presence of one mightier than we are. In the lovely name of Jesus, I pray, amen, amen, and amen. Before you sit down, look at your neighbor, look him down in the eye and say, if you lost weight because you're looking good. Amen. Amen. What a good looking congregation. Thank you, my brother. Y'all done such a great, great job this, this morning. Amen. Amen. 
All Scripture is given so that we can learn and have patience and comfort and, and hope. I want to read my main message this morning. It's coming from the book of 2 Kings, chapter 7. If you want to go ahead and turn there, we're going to preach item by item, word by word. Amen. And out of the book of 2 Kings, chapter chapter 7, we're going to, uh, well, we're just going to preach there when we end up. Amen. But, but before I get to there, uh, 2 Kings is one of my favorite books in the whole entire Bible. Now, I found out something, y'all. I have found out that, <laughs> that living for God ain't always mountaintop experiences. Can somebody just give me a Presbyterian shout right off the bat nod your head? Amen, amen. Living for God ain't always on top of the mountain. I have found out that you can live right, you can quit cussing, you can quit drinking, you can pay your tithe and come to church every Sunday, and still things will happen to you that will make you scratch your head and wonder why. Does anybody know what I'm talking about right here? Amen. I was going through Atlanta, Georgia not long ago, going up to Illinois. Well, it's been two or four years ago now. I was going through Atlanta, Georgia, heading up to Illinois. And how many of you know if you go through Atlanta, Georgia, you need to pray? Somebody help me, Amen. And so I got a I got a Sirius radio in my truck, and and so I I turn it over there to a preacher because I need to listen to preaching when I come through uh, Atlanta. You can't be listening to country music when you go through Atlanta. You'd be shot somebody, Amen, Amen. And so I'm I'm listening to this preacher, and he said something that really messed me up. He he said that a lady and a girl, a young lady, a lady in his church, daughter, got in a bad accident and should have been killed said the car was just, just destroyed, and, and, but the girl walked away without a scratch on her. And, and he went on to say, and this is the reason why. And this is what he said, this preacher, and this great preacher. He preaches to millions. I preach to hundreds. I'm not talking about this preacher, but this is what he said. He said, because this woman was a tither and a giver, because this woman attended church faithfully, because this woman was a worshiper, her daughter was, was not... Not a scratch on her. Boy, it hit me like a ton of bricks. When I got to the other side of Atlanta where I thought nobody would shoot me if I stopped, I pulled over. I got outside of my truck and walked around in the ditch and knelt down beside my truck. I said, okay, God, if that is true, I paid tithe on every dollar that's ever come through my hand. If that is true, God, at that time I'd been saved 28 years, I think, and, and God, I ain't missed but two Sundays in 28, 28 years. God, if that's true, I, I worship at the drop of the hat, and I keep a hat in my truck all the time. Why didn't it work for me? Because you see, 11 years ago, my boy got in a wreck. A drunk man jumped out in front of him to commit suicide. My son swerved to miss the man, flipped his truck, and my son was killed instantly. I said, why didn't it work for me? And the Lord right there in the ditch on the other side of Atlanta, between Atlanta and Chattanooga, he spoke to me, and this is what he said. He said, I never told you the cross would not get heavy. I never told you. Matter of fact, I told you that in this world you shall have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I didn't say if you went through the river. I said when you go through the waters, they shall not overcome you. When you go through the fire, you shall not be burned. When you go through the flood, it shall not overcome you because I am with you. Y'all, I'm here to tell you, and I, I know this ain't a popular statement, but but listen, I'm here to tell you, just because you're Christian, just because you're here today, just because you're a tither, just because you can sing or preach or teach or whatever you can do, that does not exempt you from things happening on this side of glory that he said, as long as we live here, those things are going to happen. But I can tell you this, we got hope that we ain't going to get stuck there. Can somebody help me? Amen. We don't 
don't grieve is one that has no hope because we know, we know that something's on the way. Well, in the book of 2 Kings, uh, we see a lot, of, a lot of that roller coaster ride, if you will, of living for God. We found that the people of God, it is okay to get down here, I thought so, amen. And we found that the people of God, amen, it starts out in 2 Kings chapter, uh, chapter 1 and 2, we find out there's a young man named Elisha that wants a double portion of the spirit of his mentor, of the mentor that he's following, Elijah. And he followed him, and the spirit fell on Elijah. He picked it up and was parting rivers and just doing great and mighty things, raising the dead and all kind, all kinds of stuff. We read about, amen, how he come upon, he come upon this woman, amen, that, that, was, that was broke. She was so broke, she, her baloney didn't even have a first name, amen, amen. She was broke, and they was about to take her kids and sell them and pay off the bills. She was a preacher's wife, probably a Church of God preacher's wife, amen, amen. Some say that she was Obadiah's wife. Obadiah was the man that hid all the preachers up in a cave and spent all his money taking care of them, so when he died, he was broke. And here this woman woman was, but Elijah came, even though she was low. Elijah came and said, what you got in the house? She said, I got a little bit of oil. He said, go get me some vessels, and I don't mean a few. And he took that little bit of oil and filled up all the vessels that she had, looked at her and said, bring me another vessel. Said, I got no more. Uh, the, the miracle was only limited by the vessels that showed up on Sunday morning. Amen. I mean, that didn't come out right. Amen. Amen. But, but anyhow, she sold the oil, paid off the debt, and her sons were set free. Man, she went from here to hear another woman the very next verses amen from that chapter in second kings we're talking about the first six chapters another woman that had money she was a great woman the bible said she had enough money to to build a, a little room for the preacher as he walked by and fill it up with furniture and he looked at her and said what can i do for you she said i don't need nothing he said oh but i but you're barren you ain't had no children about this time next year you'll have a have a child amen and so she did and he grew up working in the field with his father amen but when he was about 20 years old, his head started hurting him real bad. And, 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 and the man said, take him to his mama. And at noonday, the boy laid his head in his mama's lap, and he died. Here she went from here to here to here. Am I making sense so far? Amen. And, and, and so Elijah, she came, got Elijah. He came back, breathed upon him. He resurrected. And here she is back on the top again. You continue to read those first six chapters, and you'll find that there was a man named Naaman that worked for the Syrians. He was captain of the host of the Syrians, and he had leprosy. And, oh, that was low. No matter what position you got, things are going to happen that you wish didn't, didn't happen. He had leprosy. But a little girl in his camp said, hey, I know a prophet. I know a preacher down there that will help you with that leprosy if you'll go. So he loaded up, and he went. And Elisha didn't even come outside to talk to him. Sent his servant out. Said, go tell him to jump in the river. Oh. Told the told the captain to go jump in the river. Wow! Oh, Naaman got mad. He said, "I got better rivers than this at my house. Why am I going to jump? I can't believe I drove all this way." And he tells me to go jump in the river. Not one time, but jump in the river seven times. I preached a message one time. Seven ducks in a mud puddle. Amen. 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 But 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 hear me, hear me close, hear me close. Uh, as he goes away mad and pouting because the preacher didn't preach what he wanted him to preach that morning, that little girl said, if he'd have told you to do something great, you'd have done it. So why don't you just go there and jump in the river and try it? And oh, here he is low. But he jumped in that river, and when he come up the seventh time, the Bible said his skin was like that of a baby. He's back on top again. Them Syrians, when I do like that, it means y'all supposed to shout, because in my notes it says, pause for shouting. 
And when I do that and you don't shout, I get dumbfounded. I don't know what to say next. Amen, amen. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So we go on and we find this Syrian army. They didn't like him. Even though he healed one of those captains, he got, they, came, they came against the people of God. And all oh, this, this king of, of Syria, he got together, and he, every time he would plan to do something against the people of God, they would know about it before he done it. So he called a meeting with all of his people, and he said, I got a spy in the camp. He said, every time we get ready to do something, somebody goes tells them what we're going to do, and they're ready for us when we get there. Oh, my goodness, wow. And so, so and one of his men spoke up and said this. He said, King, listen, you ain't got no spy. They got a preacher down there. Now, why you think about it in your bedroom? His God tells him what you're going to do before you ever think. He said, we got to kill this preacher. How? That's a good idea. Kill, kill the preacher. Amen. And so they went and gathered around where the preacher stayed that next morning. I'm hurrying that next morning because i got to get to the message. That next morning, his servant got up and walked outside and saw the host of the Syrians all around him. And he, he, he looked at Elijah and said, we're in trouble. We are surrounded. Elijah prayed and said, God, let him see what I see. Amen. Then he looked back and he saw the host of the army of God. He saw the chariots and the soldiers of God. And he looked and he hollered out and said, one of the, one of the scriptures you'll hear Church of God preachers say more than any. He said, those that are for us, they far outnumber those that are against us. Ain't you glad we serve a God that's bigger than any kind of enemy that wants to stop you from being who God created you to be? Wow. Wow. And so, so God struck all the army blind. And Elijah come leading them in. He come leading them in, y'all, to the camp of the Sumerians, to Samaria. And the king looked at him. He must have been from South Georgia. He looked, at, he looked at Elijah and said, let's kill them. That's what we'd have done. Can somebody help me? You come messing around my family, you're going to get shot. Can somebody help me? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Not, that was B.C. before Christ. Amen. But at any rate, Elijah said, no, we ain't going to kill them. We're going to feed them. God's going to open their eyes, and we're going to let them go. Huh? Whoa. How many of you know there's some, anybody here, you got scriptures in your Bible you don't like? Just wave at me. Anybody, there's scriptures. Now, I know we're too holy to say that, but there's scriptures in that book I don't like. When I, my first pastorate was the meanest bunch of people I'd ever seen in my life. I got saved in April of 89. I got called to preach January of, of 90, and I was pastoring a church in November of 1990. Whoa. I thought everybody spoke in tongues was full of the Holy Ghost, but I found out some people speak in tongues out of memory because they ain't full of the Holy Ghost. Can somebody help me? Amen. And these 18 people, I was the fifth pastor in one year. Huh. And the last pastor before me, they beat him up and threw him in the ditch. So the overseer, he didn't feel led to send me. He knew I hadn't been saved long enough for to be sanctified as much as most. Amen. So he sent me down there. Amen. And so I had to change my whole, I hadn't even got fully delivered from cussing when I first went down there, are you? Uh, matter of fact, I'd let one slide every now and then. I'd go and I said, God, we can't have a cussing preacher. I'm going to lose my credentials if I keep cussing. You just got to help me get rid of this. Now, if you never had a problem with cussing, don't look down your nose at me because I did have a problem with cussing. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And so I said, God, you got to help me. I went in my office and wrote down all my cuss words, and I numbered them. Are you with me? Next time I met with Raymond, he got mad, and I got man I said let me tell you something you number eight I'll slap the 12 out of you right now amen (laughs) 
If you know what 12 is, you had a problem cussing too. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So Raymond called me one day, and he's dead and gone. I hope he's in heaven. Amen. If he did, he made it by somebody else praying because I don't know. Anyway, amen. But, but anyhow, he called me another one, and he was mad because I had invited some people to church, and he didn't want to come. This is how ugly it was. And, and, he, and he got so angry with me, he reflexed. He hit me. on the. He didn't hit me hard, but just touched me like that. Oh. I sound like an auctioneer. Number two, number three, number four, number five, number six, ninety-eight, nine, 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 hundred, hundred, one, amen. But anyway, I stood there. What am I going to do? Because every redneck cell I ever had just rushed to the back of my ears, amen. And I said, okay, God, what? And, and, and God reminded me of scriptures. So I looked at Raymond. I said, hit me right here. He said, what? I said, hit me right here. He said, you're crazy. I said, no, you got a free shot. I'm putting my hands in my pocket. He was a big feller. But I said, hit me, hit me. Go ahead, take your best shot. Hit me right there. He said, why do you want me to hit you? I said, because the Bible told me if you hit me on this side, I got to turn to you this side. But if I can talk you into hitting me on this side, there's no further instructions. I could just take it up from there. Amen. <laughs> Amen. He kind of left that open ended right there. Amen. But anyway. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that now. I've lost where I'm going here. Amen. Amen. But what I found out, I found out again, amen, as we, as we look at these scriptures that, that some scriptures you just don't like. They turned the Syrian army loose. Turned them loose. And the Bible says after that, this is all in verse 6. I'm almost at verse chapter 7. This is in chapter 6. After that, the Syrians besaged now hear me, besaged Samaria, the city of God that just turned them loose. They forgot the goodness of God, and they laid out on Sunday again. I need me three Episcopalians that will just sit back here and nod every time I say something real good. Amen. Amen. And so look what happened. They besaged it, but they couldn't penetrate the wall that was around them. God said, no weapon for the against you shall prosper. So they surrounded the city of Samaria so that nothing could go in and nothing could come out. It got so bad. Now, this is in your Bible. I don't make this stuff up. It's in your Bible in chapter 6 of 2 Kings. It got so bad. Now, hear me. Hear me close. If you don't hear nothing else, I say, well, I hope you hear everything I say. But, but, but listen, they got to eating. Now, this is the truth. This is what you're about. They started eating donkey heads and dove dung. Are you, that's in your Bible. That's in your Bible. I like to preach this on Sunday morning because that kind of gets you away from the buffet idea that we got to hurry up and get out of here. Amen, amen. Donkey heads and dove dung. Now, I, I'm one of these preachers that I take everything practical. Okay, God, why were they eating donkey heads? You got to be some, some reason they're eating donkey I, I know they were hungry, but why did you tell me they were eating donkey heads and dove dung? He said donkeys were illegal for them to eat. It was against the law to eat anything that the hoof don't split. He said so they got, because the enemy kept things from going out and in, they resorted to eating things that I told them not to eat. They were breaking the law. And dove dung, I'm a hunter. I like to hunt. My wife told me the other day, told somebody, that I would hunt mosquitoes if they had a season for them. Amen. When I'm walking through the woods and I see a big old pile of turkey dung, I get plum excited. I really do. I can tell you if it's a gobbler or a hen. Amen, amen. I get excited. Amen. Not because the turkey's there, but because that's where he's been. And they were eating dove dung. 
That's not where the dove was. It's where the dove had been. The dove is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. They were eating. They were feasting on what God used to do and not what he's doing now. Where's my Episcopalians? Come on, help me. Amen, amen. So here these people were because nothing was going out, nothing's coming in. They're breaking the law. They're, they're feasting on where the Spirit used to be. And then to top it all off, the king's walking around the wall one day, and, and there's two women that comes up to him and said, we got a problem. And what's your problem, the king said. He said, well, we made up our mind. We made up our mind that we were going to eat our children. And last night we ate mine for supper. And tonight we were supposed to eat her baby, but she's went and hid it and won't tell me where it's at so we can fix our nightly meal. So listen, because the enemy had the camp circled, they were breaking the law, they were feasting on where the spirit used to be, and they were killing their children to feed their flesh. When I read that, God spoke to me and said, the enemy hadn't attacked Christians in America. You're not persecuted. Are you with me? I know people, well, I'm just persecuted. What they tell you to do? Take off your Christian T-shirt at school and turn it inside out? Boy, that's big. But, but hear me. But I'm afraid the enemy has circled the church in America. And he's keeping praising. Average Christian don't go to church but 2.7 times a month. He's restricted the praise from going out. And we're not seeing the miracles and the power of God coming in. And because of that, we started feasting on the flesh. We, we, I see things in church, y'all, that, that we used to say would go, you'd go to hell for doing. And I ain't just talking about women cutting your hair and women wearing your earrings and women wearing makeup. That was, uh, all that was back then. Are you with me? And somebody said, why was all the rules made from, for women? Women, you can't wear britches. Women, you can't wear makeup. Women, you can't wear jewelry. Women, you can't cut your hair. I said, because men met and made them up. Amen, amen. If the women had a met, men, you can't watch football. Men, you can't go deer hunting. Men, you can't. But at any rate, amen. <laughs> I got to get back to where I'm, I'm at here. But y'all, we're allowing things in the church that we used to wouldn't allow in the church. We're eating donkey heads. And we still got some folks that remember how God used to move. And so we're, we're feasting on what God used to do. And, and the sad part about it is the church in America was a lot stronger back then than it is now. So it's easy to feast on dove dung and talk about how great God used to be. And I ain't got to tell you how we're killing our children. Oh, abortion. Abortion here in your state. Your governor tried to get it where you could kill your baby after they're born. Just to fat satisfy the flesh. Oh, the king got mad and rent his clothes. And the Bible said he looked around and said, I'm going to kill the preacher. That's the best thing to do. Amen. Close down the church for COVID because then can't nobody tell them what's wrong. Amen. Amen. What I'm doing is painting a picture of where we're at. 
<laughs> and them first six chapters, it's up, down, up, down, up, down. A good friend of mine, Reggie Dabbs, he and I do a lot of schools together. He's a large black, uh, black guy, and he's, he's, kind of a, he's kind of chubby. And he told, he told this story in school, in one of our high schools we went to. He said, life is like a roller coaster. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. He told the story about him getting stuck on a ride upside down. He said, all my fat coming around my head and my belly button put a hickey right between my eyes. Amen, amen, amen. But the main thing about it is to stay on the ride. Amen. I've just shared with you the first six chapters how things are up and how things are down. And now let's get into chapter 7. Remember the last verses in chapter 6. The king says, I'm going to kill Elisha. I'm going to kill Elisha. Now look at verse 1 of chapter 7. Look what he says. Then Elijah said, hear ye the word of the Lord. If you're a preacher and the congregation is talking about killing you, you better go get a word from the Lord. Amen. Amen. He said, hear ye the word of the Lord. Now, y'all, this is my, one of my favorite parts of what I'm going to preach today. He says, thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gates of Samaria. Look what he's saying. He said, I know it's bad. I know we're in trouble, but something's coming. Amen. One of the greatest attributes, one of the greatest blessings we have as children of God that no matter how bad it gets, we know something's coming. Can somebody help me? Amen. Well, the doctor said I got cancer, but I know something's coming. Well, the banker said I got more month than money, but I know something's Something's coming. Well, my wife told me I'm the reason her kids are ugly, but I know something's coming. Amen. What am I trying to say? When you see the things happening, that we see things happening in this world today that we're living in, he said, lift up your head because your redemption draweth nigh. Yes, we're living in desperate times like Pastor said earlier. Yes, we got so much confusion, they don't even know the difference in a boy and a girl. But God help us to understand all this is prophecy that was going to come the path and he said when you see it coming there's something else coming amen he said lift up your head cause your redemption draweth nigh our greatest hope is something's coming amen Let's go on in verse 2. Look what, uh, then, then a hand then a then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said behold if the Lord if the Lord would make windows in heaven might this thing be he said, I don't believe it. There'll always be somebody don't believe it. Always be somebody. But don't let their unbelief stop your belief. Look what he said. Elijah answered him and said, Behold, you're going to see it with your eyes, but you'll never eat it. In other words, you're going to see the miracle, but you'll never taste a biscuit. Can somebody help me? Now, y'all hear me. I still believe the greatest outpouring from God is still yet to come. I believe we're living in a day when it's about to explode. I don't want to be, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to read about it. I don't want to hear that it's happening somewhere else. I want to be right smack dab in the middle of what God is doing. I hope I'm making sense right there. Amen. But now let's look and see how it happened. We all understand that there's things the enemy has kept outside that we need inside, and there's things the enemy has kept inside that we need outside. So how did it turn around? Now look at verse 3. There were four leprous men. Four leprous men. Now this is important 
leprosy. Come here, brother, and help me preach just a second. Brother, help me right here, preach just a second. Brother, will you help me too? Will you help me? He was trying not to make eye contact with me. Amen. Amen. If you will, y'all two stand shoulder to shoulder. Face that way, if you will. Amen. Stand shoulder to shoulder, and you stand right here by me on this side, if you don't mind. They were four leprous men. Now, now watch this. Leprosy was worse than COVID. COVID, you could go to Walmart and Lowe's. You just couldn't come to church. And now we've got it down where you, you can come to church on Sunday morning. But if you ride by church on Sunday night, you've got COVID. You better get checked. Amen, amen. But <laughs> I'm going to get run off. i got to quit. Amen. COVID, you had to stay six foot apart. Leprosy, you had to stay 50 foot apart. COVID, you could go get vaccinated for 14 different times and wear seven masks and go out in public. <laughs> Leprosy, you couldn't go nowhere. If you was within 50 foot of somebody, you had to scream, unclean, unclean. You couldn't hold your wife's hand. You couldn't hold your young and on the, you couldn't go to a youngin's ball game. You just couldn't. If you had leprosy, you were a reject. That's the reason they weren't in the city. Get them outside the gate. We can't have them in here. Y'all lepers, we're lepers. We're four lepers rejected. Nobody cares. Hope you die. You ain't getting about my donkey head. Can somebody help me? Amen. Watch this. Four lepers men at the entrance of the gate. They sat at the entrance of the gate. And they said one to another, Why are we staying here till we die? If we say we will enter into the city, there's a famine in the city and we'll die there. If we stay here, we'll die also. If there's a title of this message, this is what it would be. We can't go back, but we can't stay here. Since I preached here last time, I got a lot of friends in, in Virginia. I preached y'all's camp meeting a while back. And so a lot of folks text me and Facebook me. And, and he's one of y'all's preachers came down and stayed uh, three or four weeks in our sabbatical house just to get recharged. But, but hear me, hear me, hear me. Y'all got a good reputation. And, and, and really, you do. People talk about Pulaski as like, it's wow, wow. They talk about you, Pastor, like he's, I, I, I'm humbled. I feel like a mule in the Kentucky Derby. Amen, amen. Y'all got a good reputation. You know what that tells me? That y'all trendsetters. And what would happen if this congregation today, what would happen if we made up our mind, we can't go back, but we can't stay here. We got loved ones dying and going to hell. We can't stay here, but we can't go back, but we can't stay here. So look what they said. Just let us go forward. Just let us come and let us fall into the hopes of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we'll live. If they kill us, we'll die. Boy, you got to go to Lee University to figure that out right there. Amen. They said we can't go back. We can't stay here. Watch this. Let's just go see what will happen if we go out, if we go to the enemy's camp. Are you still in the building with me? Amen. Now look what happened. They rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of the Syria, of Syria, behold, wasn't nobody there. 
No man was there. Oh, for they wrote, for the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots. Remember that bunch that circled them last time? Hear a noise of chariot and a noise of horses within the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come. Amen. To come. Give me the, give me the next verse. Give me the next verse. Amen. Wherefore they arose and they fled in the twilight. And they left their tents, they left their horses, and they left their donkeys, and even the camp as it was, and they fled for their life. Now, what did I just read to you? These four rejects, these four that nobody wanted nothing to do with, these four people that couldn't join the church, these four people that nobody wanted to have supper with, these four people that nobody would even look at, these four people that were so low, they were low. Are you still in the building with me? But they made up their mind. We can't go back, but we can't stay here. And when they took a step, when they took a step, God made the echo of their step. It sounded like in the enemy's ears, a host of chariots and an army and a great and a great, <laughs> a great army that was coming against them. And the enemy just tore out. They just left everything like it was and left because they said there's an army coming. No, it was just four willing vessels that everybody else said couldn't do it. They just got up and took a step. And when they took a step, God went before them. He said, let God arise in my enemies. His enemies be scattered. The hills melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. He went before. In other words, God ain't looking for a great army. God ain't looking for mighty men of valor. All oh, that's good and good stuff. He's just looking for four rejects that would stand up and say, I can't stay here, but I can't go back. I think I'll just go forward. And when we got faith enough to step forward, the God of all creation, we got this scripture so we can learn. We got this scripture so we can have hope. The God of all creation goes before us and the enemy flees in the presence of the Lord. Wow, y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated by now. When these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, oh, this is so good. <laughs> this preach is better than I can preach, but watch this. When these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent, and they did eat and drink and carry silver and gold and, and, and raiment, and went and hid it. They came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and, and hid it. They're going from tent to tent. They got, it's better than a blue light special at Walmart. Man, they just, they're getting all kind of stuff here. But then they said one to another, we're not doing good. This ain't right. Let me put it to you in layman's terms. We went to church Sunday morning and God moved, but we ain't going to tell nobody about it. That ain't right, they said. This day is a day of good tidings. And we hold our peace. They were convicted that they were feasting. But the rest, the 80% of our nation that don't go to church, were still starving to death. Wow. If we tarry till the morning, God ain't going to put up with that. Some mischief is going to come to us. Now let us go that we may go and tell the kings, tell the kings, we're going to have to move that. I'm going to preach in, y'all watering down the gospel with a drum outfit here. I can't read the last line. <laughs> I'm kidding. They went and told the king all the stuff that was happening. Now let me, let me preach right there for a minute. 
These lepers said, look how blessed we are. But we're doing wrong if we don't go tell people about it. Y'all, 95%, 95% of people that say they're Christians has never won a single person to the Lord. Not one. Wow. Not one. 95% of Christians. This church is one away from doubling. Just everybody has to bring. That's how simple church growth is. But 95% of us has never won a single person to the Lord. What's going on? Wow. Is God a, does God get aggravated with that? Well, I got a few cows. I, I got a few cows. I'm in the cow business. Somebody said, why am I in the cow business? I said, because God's in the cow business. Amen. He's got so many cows, he can't even count them. He just counts the hills they own. The Bible said he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. If he's that big in the cow business and he controls the market, I need to be in the cow business. Amen, amen. Because when I first got in the cow business, I bought a bull named Ed. I named him Ed because so I bought him from, and I always want to remember where I get my bull, so I named him after the man I buy him from. I had a heifer. Whoo, she was pretty. Her name was Princess. I bought him young. I raised them up. Man, I took good care of them. They were fine. They were prime beef, if you will. Amen. Adam, uh, Ben Cartwright didn't have none no better on his Ponderosa. Wow. And so I, I had them up, and they were getting ready where they were big enough to have babies. And I had one grandboy that was big enough to follow me around then, Braden. We went out, and I said, now, we got to marry these cows because we don't want no babies born on our farm that the mama and daddy ain't married. So we go out and we marry Ed the princess. And I'm the preacher and Braden witnessed it. Amen. And so I married them. Well, they must have got pregnant on the honeymoon because nine months later, princess had a baby. Wow. I was doing a revival, so I made sure the baby was okay, made sure everything was good, and I left. But princess, I didn't put this in the equation. She rejected the baby. Beautiful calf. Rejected it. Didn't let it nourish, and it died. When I came back, I, I went out and talked to Princess. I had a long talk with her. I said, honey, didn't I feed you when you were hungry? Didn't I give you good, clean water every day? Didn't I doctor when you were sick? Didn't I put fence around that coyotes couldn't touch you? And you couldn't even have me one calf? She left my farm that day, and she went to work for somebody else. <laughs> she must have been really good at it. Because they wrote a song about her. It goes like this. To all beef, patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Amen. I heard she didn't last long, but she was good while she was there. Amen. Now, why would you do that? Because I ain't going to take care of a cow that don't produce a calf. I wonder when God looks down at his church in America, says, didn't I feed you when you were hungry? Didn't I give you clear water? Didn't I doctor on you when you were sick? Didn't I put a hedge around you where the wolves couldn't come get you? And you can't even win me one lamb? These guys said, we got to go back, and we got to tell people. <laughs> we got to tell people what's going on. Did you know 80% of unchurched people, 47% of unchurched people are de-churched people. They used to go, but not now. That's prophetic. God said there'd be a falling away. But 80% of church pe unchurched people say they would come if somebody invited them. But over 70, I think it's like 
of unchurched people saying nobody's ever invited them. Wow, we got to go tell the people out there how good God is in here. Amen. But anyhow, let's go on. That's enough of that. Let's go on. So they came and called him to the porter of the city. And they told him, saying, Come to the camp of the Syrians. And behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and donkeys tied, and the tents like they were. Watch this. This gets so good. And he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house with in. Look at this next verse. This next verse kind of bothered me. And the king arose in the night and he said unto the servants, I'll show you what these Syrians have done to us. They know that we're hungry. They know that we're starving. They know. They know. Y'all, if you're not, they're eating donkey heads. Why? Because they didn't have steak. Amen. Are you still with me? Loretta Lynn used to sing a song. If you've never had a T-bone steak, Peanut butter tastes just fine. Amen. We got too many Christians eating peanut butter when God's got the fatted calf. Amen. Amen. But watch what happened. Watch what happened. He got up and said, I'm going to tell you, they know we're hungry. And they've gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field saying, when they come out of the city, we'll catch them and we'll go in and take the city. Now, this bothered me because I said, King, Elijah told you tomorrow about this time everything's going to be okay. Now it's tomorrow about this time, and you don't believe it when it happens. But look what happened. One of his servants answered and said, Let some of us, I pray, just take five of the horses. That last part of that verse says, Let us go and see. And then the king said, Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. So they took therefore two chariot horses, and the king sent after the host of the Syrians and said, Go and see. Now let me stop and preach there for just a second. I'm almost through. This bothered me because this king knew the prophecy of what was going to happen. But yet, he didn't believe it. And then when it came to him, he said, let's just find out if it's real or not. I started not to preach that verse of scripture this morning because it bothered me. God, how can I work that in the message? That ain't good, you know. And the Lord said, no, no, you preach that part because that's one of the most important parts there is. Because that king done exactly what I told you to do. Oh, now, what you mean? Then I got to thinking, I'm Church of God. I'm Pentecostal. How many glad to be Pentecostal? Just wave at me. Amen. I'm Church of God born, Church of God bred. When I die, I'll be Church of God dead. I'm, I, <laughs> I'm Church of God. I'm Pentecostal. Wow. But, y'all, I know this for a fact because I pastored 25 years. I went to a, 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 I probably told this last time I was here, I went to a homecoming. They had me come and preach, start revival off on homecoming. And they had a big old buffet there, and, and they had a dessert table. And I went down there to get me a piece of dessert. And, 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 and I walked up, and the lady says, why don't you try these brownies? These are good brownies. I made them. I said, are they Pentecostal brownies? She said, what do you mean? I said, do they have nuts in them? Can somebody help me? Amen. Because if you build a Pentecostal church, if there's a nut within 100 miles, they're going to show up. Are you with me? They're going to show up. And they're going to be nuttier than any claxon fruitcake ever been. Amen. Amen. And, and you may be here this morning and you may be the nut. Keep coming. We'll get that out of you directly. Amen. Amen. But, but, but hear me. Hear me. I, I pastored 25 years, and I pastored. The first church I went to went from 18 to 3, then went to 120. They, they moved me to a church running 40, and it went to 400. I went and planted a church, and we started with 50, and it went to 1,087. And so I pastored a lot of different groups of people. Are you still with me? Amen. I had a lot of fruitcakes come through my church. Amen. And they'd always have a word. Boy, it got quiet. 
I believe in getting words, but the word has to line up with the Bible. If it don't, it ain't from God. I had a guy come to me and said, God told me to take a vacation from church. I said, you're a liar. He got mad and wanted to fight me. I said, well, I want all the way sanctified in. I said, okay, well, let's fight. Amen, but you're lying because God ain't going to tell you don't to forsake the assembly of yourself together and then tell you to take a vacation from church. So either you're lying or God's lying. I choose you. Anyway, amen. But there's one particular time I'd want a man to the Lord. Nobody knew him yet. So I want him during the week, and he was coming, but he started coming to the altar and just pouring his heart out. Good man, good businessman in town. One day he was down there praying, and one of my spiritual women, she was a little nutty. She would always give out messages in tongues, and if nobody interpreted it, she would. Amen. I was that kind of person. Ain't nothing wrong with that. If you do that, that's okay. We need that, and we've got to have it. I'll believe in it. But this woman here, she came down to pray with this guy. And she put her hand on her shoulder. I was right in front of him praying because I knew what he was praying about. She didn't. And she put his, her hand on his shoulder and said, God, she prayed for him. And, and then she pushed me away because, you know, they're more spiritual than the preacher is. They pushed me away and got between me and him and said, Brother, God just gave me a word for you. Now, he's new. He ain't been saved long. He's wanting, wanting to know what God said. He said, God said he's going to send you that wife. He's going to send you a wife. He looked at her and said, what am I going to do with the one I've been married to for 23 years? Amen. I said, now can I step in, ma'am? Amen. <laughs> Amen. And we kept on praying. But hear me. Hear me close. The king said, let me try the spirit, whether they be of God. Now hear me, church of God, because in the last days, he's going to pour his spirit out. But he is the greatest spirit, but he ain't the only spirit. And we got to make sure it's God before we jump. Amen, amen, and amen. Now some people say, well, I would shout if, God, if, if, if I felt God. He didn't tell you to shout when you felt him. He said start shouting and you'll feel him. So we're not talking about, I'll, you got to dance or shout in the spirit. No, you can shout and dance right where you at, and, and the Lord will come up because he inhabits praises of his people. But I'm talking about making decision. I know people that say, oh God, why didn't he pay for this house? Why did they take my house? Well, you didn't try the spirits. Maybe God didn't want you to buy that house. Amen. Why did that husband leave me for that other lady? Well, did God, did you talk to him? Did you try the spirit? Was he the one you're supposed to marry? Am I making sense? Amen. Oh God, why did I stay broke down all the time? Well, if you'd have prayed a little harder and put out a, and, and, and tried the spirit, he might have got you a Ford. Amen. And you'd be riding instead of walking. Amen. 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 But hear me and hear me close. God, help us to understand that everything that glitters ain't gold and everything that speaks to us ain't God. I hope I'm making sense here. He tried the spirits. Let's hurry because I've done preached too long. And they went out after them to Jordan. And lo, when they got there, oh, this is so, this is so good. When they got there, look what they done. They found, they found uh, garments and vessels and they, they had found all kind of stuff just, just laid out. I could see them right now. One of them said, look, look, there's that jacket I ordered from Amazon. It's been six months ago, and there it is right right, right there. Look, there's that fruitcake Aunt Sally sent me for last Christmas, and I knew she had done it. Look at that card Grandma sent me. I'll open it up. I bet it's got $20 in it. Amen. And all the stuff that was supposed to be coming in, they found out in the enemy's camp. Well, Brother Moxie, the enemy don't have that kind of power, does he? Oh, you better read your Bible, because I read a story about a man named Daniel. He prayed, and he fasted, and he sought God 
God for 21 days. And when the angel showed up, he looked at Daniel and said, from the first day you prayed, God sent the answer. But I've been fighting against the enemy to get it here. And we found there is an enemy that wants to keep your prayer and your praise from going up and keep the blessings of God from coming in. But I just believe there's somebody here this morning that'll say, hey, I'm going to get up. I can't go back, but I can't stay here. I'm going to go see what God will do. So I don't know what's in your life that God promised. It could be the deliverance of that son. It could be salvation of that daughter. It could be the restoration of that marriage. It could be, oh, it could be, it could be God... I need more finances. I can't make it like with $4 gas. I I don't know what it is that you've been praying to the Father about. But you hear me. He gave us his scripture so that we could learn from it. There's an enemy that wants to camp around your prayer life and keep things from going out and keep things from coming in. Let's look on. They made haste. They, they, the Syrians, they made haste in their haste, and the messengers returned and told the king. Look, 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 the Syrians, the enemy just left them laying everywhere. I like these tissues because when you pull one out, another one pops up. Amen. And the people went out, and they spoiled the tents. The people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians so that a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. Now look at this last verse. And then I'm done. The king appointed the Lord on whose hand, remember that Jack Mag back in verse 2? And said, that, that can't happen. I don't believe it. He put him in charge of the gate. He appointed him to have charge of the gate. And the people trod on him at the gate, and he died. Just like the man of God said who spake when the king came down. In other words, he saw it, but he never got to experience he didn't believe now what I've just done is I just preached to you a story in the Bible a story that he said was written for our learning that we through patience and comfort might have hope and some of y'all say well I've been patient you've been preaching for an hour amen amen but hear me if it worked for them it's got to work for us because if it don't why did he put it in the book why did he put it in the book he said I'm putting this in the book so you can have hope and you can learn. So if four sick lepers said, I can't go back, but I can't stay here, and got up and went, how much more could we just make up our mind? I said this in a revival the other day, and I ain't gonna back up from it. We were third. How many of you got a lost son or daughter or brother or sister or mom and dad or husband or wife, an immediate family member? Look at the hands. Did you know they were 13 miles away from spending the rest of their, spending eternity in hell just two weeks ago? What do you mean? If this Putin guy that shot that missile and it landed 13 miles from Poland's boundaries, if it had been 13 miles further, <laughs> Article 5 would have went into place. America would have mashed their button. 
China would have mashed their button. Russia would have mashed their button. And you read in 2 Peter chapter 10, I think, it's in the book of 2 Peter. He said the earth is going to be destroyed with fervent heat. You study nuclear power. It's millions of degrees. It burns up the elements around it. And there's enough nuclear power in this world to blow it up seven times. We may jest because we're over here in America and we think, it can't happen over here. Look where we're at. I pastored St. Mary's, Kings Bay Naval Base. They let me go out on a, on a, on a nuclear warhead submarine on a tour. and go out. We went out 70 miles and went under 400 feet. And they gave me a tour and they said, they showed me those missiles with those warheads on them. They said, this missile, we can make it hit anywhere in the world from anywhere in the world. We can mash the buttons. Five people has to mash the button in the United States. But we can mash the button and we can take that missile and put it in Putin's window in his house from right here. We were somewhere off the coast of Georgia. When they bombed that nuclear plant the other day, we didn't really make no big deal out of that. I was a nuclear powerhouse welder at Plant E.I. Hatch in Baxley, Georgia. When they hired me on, this is what they said. If we have a meltdown or a blow-up in the reactor, all the men have to leave the plant and go upwind because everybody downwind within 100 miles will be dead anyway. So if your family lives that way, don't go try to save them. Go that way because they're gone. And they dropped a bomb in on that. So if that happens, and God said that's the way it's going to end, it would have been over, and your son, daughter, husband, wife would have been left without God. Would have been left. That's how real it is. That's how real it is. So I ask you, is there anything down here that you need to say, I can't stay here, but I can't go back. I think I'll come to the altar. And just, I think I'm not a gimmicky preacher, but what if we just said that tissue is my son's restoration, my daughter's deliverance, and we came down and picked it up and started calling those things that are not as if they are and started praising God for it like it just happened. Now, now, I know this is a little different, Pastor. Come out tonight, and I hope it'll be better, but, 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 but hear me. Hear me close. Hear me close. More than anything else in this world, I want my family to go to heaven. More than anything else in this world, I want to preach this Jesus that y'all saying about what it goes so that people can understand. Because when I was reading this story, actually when you were singing this morning, I never thought about this. Jesus left the splendor of heaven and came to us. Why? He came on the inside of the camp so he could go outside the camp. And get what couldn't come in without him going forward. He done the very same thing that these lepers done. Well, he wasn't no leper. No, he was just a little baby born in a manger. He said, though he was rich, yet he became poor. So we, through his poverty, might become rich. He came and done exactly what I'm asking you to do this morning. So this morning, I'm going to give an altar call. As I travel around this nation... There's two things that a church of God that we're losing, and we're losing rapidly. We don't praise like we used to. We don't praise like we used to. That was good praise this morning. That was really good praise this morning. But if you'd have sung them same songs 20 years ago, I'd have doubted I'd have got to preach this morning because y'all would have been shouting, and I would have had to preach over you. Are you with me? 
They'd have been somebody running. They'd have been somebody, some kid down here picking up bobby pins. Can somebody help me? Amen. Because some woman be done shook them out their hair. Amen. Amen. And the second thing we don't do is we don't use the altar like we used to. The term praying through is something we don't even use anymore. So I wonder this morning, how many here in this building would say, I'm coming to that altar and I'm picking up that garment that the enemy's been holding back. There's somebody here, you're lost. If Jesus was to come right now, you wouldn't go to heaven and you know it. I wish I was one of them preachers that could call you out. I ain't. <laughs> I ain't. I asked God to give me that and he said, no, you'd misuse it. Amen, amen. And so he didn't, he don't give me that. Amen. I just sell what he tells me to tell. Amen. And, and But there's somebody here lost. If Jesus was to come right now, you'd be left. And I could butter it up and say all kind of nice stuff and say, well, you can make it through the tribulation. And you can if you're willing to let him cut your head off. But I challenge you, if you're not willing to live for him now, what makes you think you'll be willing to die for him then? So I ask you this morning, is there anything here that the enemy's been holding back that you believe this morning that scripture verified that you got to make up your mind that I can't go back I can't go back I can't go back but I can't stay here I think I'll just go down I ain't got nothing to lose anyway that's what those guys said I ain't got nothing to lose I think I'll just go down and pick up one of those tissues and I'll call those things that are not as if they are and I believe my Father to turn things around that only He. Oh, my God. Would you stand with me all over this house? If you come down here and pick one up, don't be in a hurry to get back to your seat. Just take time to, to praise Him for it like it already happened. Father, God already, people's moving. Father, right now, you're moving. You're moving in ways, God, that man can't orchestrate. You're moving. God, draw, draw us to act upon your word. Upon your word. Would you come right now? Would you come right now? Don't wait another second. Don't wait another minute. Don't wait another altar call. Would you right now, and he sings the first word of this song, would you just go ahead and step out? And by doing so, you're saying, God, I can't go back, but I ain't staying here. I'm not going to let my son go to hell. You didn't give me a boy to go to hell. You didn't give me a daughter not to go to heaven. You didn't bring me this far to leave me. I still believe by your stripes I'm healed. I still believe in you. Would you just come and pick you up one of these tissues? When he sings the first word, that's your cue. And there's already people here. That's your cue to step out and get to this altar. And just pick it up. Just pick it up in the name of Jesus. Sing it, my brother. Let's move. Let's right move. now is the moment. Today is the day. I've been changed. I've been changed.